Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Theology and Reality podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Madden. Today's episode is a good one. We've got an exclusively in-depth interview with author Megan Madden talking about her new book, Mary, Teach Me to Be Your Daughter, published by Ascension Press. We go through her origin story as an author, the reasons she wrote the book and her favorite chapters as we take a behind-the-scenes look at how this project made its way out into the world and hopefully into your hands. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for listening in. Theology and Reality is a really great website that I founded about a year ago now, and we host tons of Catholic content on theology, spirituality, scripture, cultural commentary, and more. Starting this week, in fact, we're launching some brand new content, so if you're interested, please consider subscribing not just to the podcast, but to the Theology and Reality sub-stack as well, so you don't miss a single thing. We're hoping to continue growing this project to publish more stuff and continue expanding our reach, so if you feel called, consider becoming a paid subscriber to Theology and Reality as well, where you can access even more content than is readily available to everyone. Check out the show notes for links and descriptions, but now... What you've been waiting for, let's get to the show. All right, in what I'm assuming is going to be one of our more popular or highly trafficked podcast episodes. Thank you. Because you're a celebrity now. No. Is (laughs) (laughs) our interview with our in-house celebrity author. Megan Madden. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> In good. our bedroom as yeah. we record while our, while our children sleep. Yeah. Long time no see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last time we were together, we had another book in our hands, and it's kind of cool to come here and have my own book in our hands. Yeah. That is pretty funny, actually. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. That's funny. All right. Well, without wasting too much time, I suppose, because who knows where this will go. Uh, first, for not for my benefit, I suppose, but for our listeners' benefit, tell us a little about yourself. Okay. Well, um, I or think what I... you want us to know. <laughs> sure. I, guess. No, I mean, I... You know, don't start at the beginning. Okay, I'm going to start at the very beginning. I was born. <laughs> I was born. At... No. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. no, don't do that. No, I won't. I won't. Well, I guess first, I want to say I think that. This interview in particular is really, really special to me because I know a lot of the information that I'm going to share today, like a lot of the writing process is from my heart and very, very deep movements. So these are things I'm not going to be, you know, sharing on the radio or in an article. Um, And I get to just talk to my husband and share with all of you who have been, a lot of you have been here from the beginning of this journey. Um. But for anyone who is newer, um, I obviously am Megan Madden, and I am a wife to a theologian who's sitting next to me right now, and he has his Theology and Reality page, but also is a lecturer in Oxford for the Blackfriars. Um, We have five children, one on the way, so about to be six children here. Um, and, uh, in a few weeks, actually in less in about six weeks now, we will have this baby and I homeschool and I homemake and I never thought I'd write a book. Um, I started this, my Instagram account, a mother's lace in 2020 in January, 2020. And, um, I had no intention of it growing or being 
an influencer, as they say, or doing this sort of thing so publicly, but it just very organically grew to be what it is. And it's something I've grown to be very thankful for. I've made such good friends through the process. And also I was given the opportunity to write this book because of A Mother's Lace. Mm -hmm. You mentioned what seems like this book project being not a surprise, but not being totally expected, I think. So is the idea of being an author or was the goal of being an author anything that you had ever thought of before actually conceiving this project in particular? Okay. So this question is funny because the answer is kind of. I did not grow up thinking, oh, I want to be an author or I want to write a book. However, I see like these particular points in my life where this doesn't surprise me. Like I remember in high school, I took this creative writing class and I loved it and I loved writing. And that's where I felt like I fell in love with writing. I think it was in it was in secondary school or high school in the US, <laughs> secondary school here in the UK. Um, but it was, I think, ninth grade. And it really sparked my love for writing, um, specifically more poetic kind of things. And then essentially what happened was I just started writing down so much about what I was learning about femininity and specifically sitting in prayer with the question of womanhood and, um, and about Our Lady and what it means to be a woman in our times. It, like a lot of what is in this book is rooted in um, studies and theology that I read and saint books that influenced me and also my spiritual journals. <laughs> a lot of times when I was writing this, they were just sitting right in front of me and I was sort of, um, it, you know, giving the visuals that, that I really, I really just connected with through prayer. So the long story short is <laughs> I shared a lot of this with my spiritual director in Poland and he said, you need to write a book. And I just thought, I'm never going to write a book. I, how would I ever write a book? And I just thought, well, maybe I'll just sort of write this up for myself and have it to meditate on like these sort of Marian, look at Marian virtues and think about how I can be a better woman by imitating her virtue and all of these things. And I thought, okay, I'll call it my little blue book and I'll, I'll write up these meditations for my growth in holiness. And I will send it to my spiritual director and be like, Here's my book, you know? And um, so that was like initially what I thought was going to happen by mm -hmm. all of this. Um, and I I kind of skipped over the fact that in our early 20s, when we were just newly married, both you and I looked at the Hans, I think, Scott and Kimberly Han, and we were like, wow, like they've written all these books. They've done all this ministry. Like, look how they like look at the, the fruit of their labor and work in the church. Like, I hope one day we can do something like that. Like, can we give back in this way with like our theology journey together with like your graduate school and my love of learning as well. So that that's all sort of like rooted behind this. And then, um, and I, I kept trying not to write this book. And then I just realized I said this prayer that I share in the book. And it's the title of the book. I was, I was praying during a really, really difficult time. It was during COVID 
And we were trying to figure out what we were supposed to do because we thought we, we were at a point where we were moving from Poland and moving into the next thing. And we didn't know where the Lord was calling us yet. And I said, I, w- I was very flustered and I just was thinking of Our Lady and I said, Mother, teach me to be your daughter. And that in that moment, it just flooded like everything, the whole structure of this book flooded in my mind. And I knew exactly what I w- would write. And I knew that I had to write this book and it had to be public. And a couple of days later, I put it on my Instagram that finally I'm going to write a book proposal. I'm going to do it. Um, So many people have been prompting me. My spiritual director has been saying to do this. Some of you on Instagram were messaging me and saying, oh, you should write a book about these things. And so I put that in my stories. And within a few hours, Ascension contacted me and said they were interested. And that's that that's what led to this. I mean, it truly wasn't. So this is more of like a gradual sort of build up to what it eventually became. You weren't like, you know. Rory Gilmore at 12 years old and thinking, I'm going to be an author. That's what I'm going to be when I grow up. It was sort of just the natural, unexpected, grace-filled endpoint of was, everything that you yeah. have been essentially living, right? So if what, what, you're, what you're thinking about, praying about, reading about, talking about, experiencing, all sort of culminated in this kind of intellectual, spiritual project that um, it almost seems like you couldn't help but do it, right? Because you said, yeah. oh, I tried not to write the book. That's kind of an interesting thing to say for someone listening, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of us think, oh, well, you know, even if we have like an inkling of wanting to write a book, oh, I would really love to do this. So for you to say something almost totally the opposite of that, like I kind of tried not to do it is really interesting. Yeah, I think it just, I, I mean, I actually had some of the questions that came in for this podcast interview. It was like, how did you like, get a publisher? What did, how did you pursue it? Da, da, da. And it was like, I didn't actually, I, I'm not a good person to ask advice about any of that because it fell in my lap and I was fighting God. Like I was just saying, Lord, no, I'm not the one. Like I'll do this for me. I'll do it privately. I'll do it in a hidden way. And he said, no. And, <laughs> and that's why I think for me, this book is so raw for me to share and vulnerable when I see other people reading it because it's so much of my heart. So would you consider this book to encapsulate your particular kind of spirituality? Yes, because... (laughs) In what way? I'm sure not in a total way, right? I could never do something like that, right? Something that sort of... No. Intimate and close to anyone's heart, like can never be you know, expressed in a, you know, a book of a hundred, a hundred pages or so. Right. But I mean, it has to in, in some way, right? Yes. I think it captures very real snippets in a hidden way um, because I really tried to hide behind our lady in this, but my Carmelite pondering heart um, is where all the visuals came from in the meditations, you know, like all of those things came from, prayer and and pondering these things. And then there's an intellectual side as well. I did not write this book without a theology book in my hand. I constantly was going through Marian theology books during the writing process. I was like eating them up, just whatever I could get a hold of that was that was from a good and faithful Catholic theologian. I was reading just to make sure I could stay in I would stay in my lane, you know, so to speak. <laughs> like I just wanted to make sure all right, are we? <laughs> well, it's a good thing I taught that class then, right? <laughs> I know. he. It was so funny because Josh taught the 
we'll go. Yeah, I do. Yeah, time. was when when was that? I don't even. It was right while well, I was writing it. I guess so. That's really funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. Teaching Mariology lectures for the friars, uh, here in here at the seminary. So yeah, that is that is really funny. No, uh, that that all happened at once. So that was kind of lucky. I'm just you know, getting you know. <laughs> book deliveries like three or four times right. a week just make you know to sort of Mariology. read yeah exactly to read through and you know prepare for that and then just all of them going up on the shelf and then having you be able to just sort of i was grabbing oh them. those are really great those, yeah it's really nice <laughs> i think i read almost Thanks. all of them actually i just <laughs> went through and read uh-huh. as much as possible because i just wanted to stay in my lane so funny and something i stayed away from on purpose which might be interesting is um I had already read like Carmelite spirituality and different things with my spiritual director, you know, John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, et cetera. But during the time of writing, I purposefully stayed away from like the mysticism and like visionaries of Mary and what they say about her life and everything, because I wanted it to be so purely simplistic and based on like the gospels and a theology. And then just my own heart's ponderings. I didn't want to be influenced by anything. So I made sure to read theology during that time, actually. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. So th- would you, before we get, maybe this will lead us into talking about the book. And if you don't know, or if you think it's both, you can say that. But um, just sitting here thinking, do you, do you think that this book is a better introduction to Mariology or understanding who Mary is? Or is it a book about prayer or is it a book about spirituality or is it a book about just like living at so how would you sort of class it or is it all of the above i would classify this book as a spiritual writing okay for sure because the theology isn't explicit in here Mm -hmm. it's it's again like hidden in the same way that i didn't explicitly say here are some things from my spiritual journals you know i just i just was sort of like giving visuals of meditations um, and my my hope and my goal in this book is that women will pick it up and grow closer to Our Lady in their own way based on these really, uh, based on the simplicity of what we know about her, because there's not tons of things. Uh, I mean, I had the entire time, again, I was writing always with me was the Holy Bible. Always. It was open in front of me sort of going through. And you can see, I like go through the course of her life. And that's because I was just going through the gospels and saying, what do we know about her from inspired sources? Mm-hmm. So I would say it's a spiritual book, or at least I hope it is. That's how I hope it reads. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So how would you summarize what the book is about? Right. So if we've, we've talked about sort of what, maybe what the sort of it's, its roots, its foundations, maybe what the goal happens to be for what you hope it becomes, what it is. What about the actual message? Yes. Right? How do you okay. say it's the message? You know, it's a thesis. It's what is it about? Okay. I'm not going to give you a two sentence sentence thesis. Right. I'm going to really explain this a little bit. That's fine. Um. <laughs> so the reason I wanted to write this book is because I was reading Alice von Hildebrand and Gertrude von Lefort and St. Edith Stein, all philosophers on femininity. And they would always end their conclusions and their own theses with... Theses. I know, theses. (laughs) They ended their own theses. I wrote a book, guys. (laughs) (laughs) All by myself. (laughs) Um, With 
imitation of Our Lady. They said the ultimate end, you know, if you're going to be truly feminine and a woman who is fully alive in Christ, we look to the Blessed Mother for the fullness of what femininity and womanhood mean. And then they would leave it at that. Now, Gertrude von Lefort went into it quite a bit in her book, The Eternal Woman. And, but it was so metaphysical and heady. This book is hard to read. If you've read it, you know, if you haven't read it, it's hard to read. And, um, and so I was left with this sort of aching for something that gave practical imitation. Like, how do you do this? Okay. So imitate our lady. Okay. We can pray with that, all of these things, but like, what does that mean? And that's what led, led me to St. Louis de Montfort and his 10 principal virtues of Our Lady, because I was like, okay, these are some, this is something traditionally that we hold in the church as extremely important and explains to us more of who Our Lady is and what she represents as a woman with these particular gifts. So I linked the 10 principal virtues to a quality of the feminine heart that I found appropriate. And then I, my goal was to bring us to prayer and meditation of our lady, and then also give a practical on the earth, like down to earth, sorry, down to earth, um, side of it that could inspire us to be like her more. So I basically saw that there was something missing in this sort of study of woman. And I just kind of took it upon myself to fill in the blanks, even though I feel, I felt very inadequate to be the one to do so. So would you say that this is written specifically for women? It is written for women, Okay, but I had a lot of endorsers and theologians read it who are men and they all had lovely things to say. Like they really, I think Dr. Levering, Matthew Levering, who I just really emulate, he's an incredible theologian just said like there's there are elements in here for both men and women and that really I really appreciated that I thought Mm -hmm. that was really cool I wrote it for women but I hope that anyone who picks it up can find something in it sure I think that's fair I was thinking about that because there's a lot of what we now consider to be spiritual classics and we don't really classify them by sex at all Mm -hmm. a lot of them were written for either specifically for men or for women, like think of, I mean, essentially everything that St. Teresa of Avila writes is for women. Yes. Because she's writing for her novices, for her sisters specifically, Mm -hmm. right? And not just women, right? She's writing for specifically, you know, 16th century Spanish cloistered women, super niche audience. And yet everyone still reads it because there's something really beneficial and spiritually fruitful there. So yeah, I think that that's a really good point that it's, you don't have to shy away from the fact that, yeah, my intended audience, who I was thinking about, who I am, right, I'm writing for women. That's principally who it's for. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're the only ones who could pick it up and read it and gain at least something. And so I think that that's really interesting. So did you enjoy the process of writing the book? Um, was it frustrating in any way? Right? Cause we talked about, oh, I didn't really, you know, I didn't grow up wanting to be an author, but it just kind of happened. Um, you know, you said you kind of fell into your lap. You tried not to write it. Uh, so like, what was the process of actually getting everything out and onto, you know, the metaphorical page? Okay. There are two parts to this. And actually this 
actually goes very well with one of the questions that I got on Instagram that they were hoping I would answer, which was how and when did you write it? It was when you like were able to just sit for eight hours in your uh, office. Yes, right, at your uninterrupted. At your mahogany desk. And, yeah. Uh-huh. And in the coffee shops, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. It was, I wrote the book in bursts. So my children would be playing, the baby would be sleeping, and I would write for 20 minutes here and there. And that's kind of how it went. It was... There was sometimes that I could get like a solid hour in and that was really special, <laughs> um, but, but it was very interrupted and um, okay, hold on. What was the question again? Because it was about ahead. whether it was about essentially like how you found the process of writing and if it was ever frustrating okay. at all. Yeah. So the actual writing of the book came, I mean, just so easy. I did it in four months. I just sat there and just wrote wrote it. And everyone asks, like, how did you do it? How did you do it? I have no answers. It just poured from my heart. Like, it just was all there and waiting to be written on paper. So it was so easy to sit down and write. I didn't have writer's block or have to overthink things or um, even fully outline certain parts. Like, I just, I just wrote. And that was really easy. But the season I was writing in was really hard because we had just moved to England. We moved four weeks after I had the baby and um, had our fifth baby. And I was postpartum and I was overwhelmed and I was trying to start homeschooling again. Josh was off to his new work and I was trying to make a home starting from scratch, essentially. And trying to write a book. And everything felt really, really overwhelming. And in hindsight, I see I definitely went through postpartum depression, but I didn't know it during the time while I was writing this book. And I remember thinking while writing it that, you know, I had gone from just a lot of consolations and sweetness in my spiritual life to a real desolation when we first moved here that first year. And And specifically when writing the book, I felt so desolate and dry and dark, like a real darkness spiritually, and also just on the ground, that real, you know, I guess, time in motherhood of being, it was, it was the time in motherhood that I've felt most overwhelmed in my life. And it wasn't because of the book. It just was the state that I was in during that time. It was, it was like everything lined up to be that way with the move and everything and the being postpartum. And so that aspect of it was so difficult. And I look back and actually some of the chapters and stuff are really painful for me to reread. I'm trying to reread it right now to like refresh myself for interviews and things like that. And it's kind of hard to read because it's bringing me back to this time in my life where I really felt spiritually so desolate and impoverished. And I asked the Lord after like, why, why did I, because, you know, it, it really lifted after the book was finished. And I was like, why, what was that about, you know, Lord? And I just know that that is the way I had to write it so that I know that the Holy Spirit was working and that this wasn't just from me, you know, it protects me from pride. It, it protects me from vanity because I can see the Lord was working in a time when I can't say, oh, I did it all, or I did it myself. 
I truly had to have the help of Our Lady <laughs> to to get this out on paper at the time that I did. And I see that like this is the fruit of that time. And that's something that's incredibly beautiful to have something in your hands where you can say, I, I really, I went through something hard. I suffered, I sacrificed, and um, I was going through spiritual desolation and the fruit of that I can look at, like that doesn't often happen. And that's what I, that's how I feel about this book. So it's so special. Hmm. Do you think that the act of writing it was a way of kind of just processing all those really difficult things you were going through at the time? Um, no, I actually think it was remembering the spiritual consolations mm-hmm. during that time and remembering what the Lord has done for me in my life and how close he's felt at times when I couldn't feel him during that time. So it's almost like a kind of spiritual exercise yes. in that sense. Yes, it very much was. Mm-hmm. Very consoling in a sense so even though it was written in a difficult time right i i imagine you're pretty happy with the outcome right you like the book right i love the book (laughs) do you have a favorite part or chapter of the book yes i there's two parts my favorite chapter i'm gonna say it wrong where is it it's chapter seven chapter seven okay how do how I mean how do you say that correctly in Latin? Mater dolorosa. Yeah. Okay. I didn't do it that bad. Um. Anyways, Our Lady of Sorrows. I wrote the book in front of our painting of Our Lady of Sorrows, who happens to be Our Lady of Oxford as well, which is really lovely. We we got this painting in Poland, and um, before we knew we would move here, and I I wrote this book in front of that painting. And well, there's a there's a version of the painting at our parish church too, yes. which is really funny. Yes, all of it kind of is a cool God wink. Um, But chapter seven, imitating Mary's purity as the bridal woman, um, that was my favorite chapter to write, really just sort of um, entering into the cross and writing about the cross. And you can see why, like after what I just shared with you, that it just was a really raw and real time for me. Um, Like this, this had a lot of my heart and there was a lot of visuals in here that were a part of my prayer life and just, yeah, just suffering made sweet, you know? And so I I just love this chapter. So that's the first part. And the second part is the parable at the end. The parable at the end is very, very raw (laughs) again. And um, it's something that means a lot to me to share because it reflects very much my process of how I felt I grew to understand what it means to be a woman and to, you know, what it means to seek, to put on Our Lady, to put on Mary as a woman. And so this, this parable is, runs really deep. So those, those two things are my favorite part of the book. So how different is each chapter? Um, well, they all go, they're all very structured. It's a very organized book. I tried to make it really organized. It has the 10 principal virtues with the quality of the feminine genius. And you're kind of going through the journey of from the Annunciation all the way to the Assumption and the Coronation of Mary. So they're structured in the same way. Each chapter has a meditative part and then a practical part for us to identify with and seek to imitate in Our Lady. So in that sense, it's all very organized, Um, but it's all on different 
aspects of Our Lady. And I definitely did repeat some things, but it was very purposeful because I felt like those, you know, when you, when you're learning something, it's good to have, have it said in numerous ways to sort of ingrain it in us. So I think for instance, just the, um, I guess the, the theme of littleness throughout the book being very Theresian and keeping us humble, you know, just keeping humility at the forefront of our minds throughout the whole process of attempting imitation of the perfect woman. Mm-hmm. Are there any, anything that you did or read in the process that you would recommend anybody else read besides your book, obviously? Oh, yes. I So the theology book that really s- struck me the most was There Is No Rose. Who's it by? I can't remember the theology. Oh, that might be, is that Father Nichols? Father Aidan Nichols, maybe? I can't remember. Now I now I feel like if if I think it's yeah I think it's Aidan Nichols. Yeah. I'll look it up real quick. But okay. talk about it and yeah. I'll make sure. Um, I was just really struck by how he presented Our Lady and and then there was another one called was it is it Our Lady in the Church? Yes, yes. by uh, Hugo Rahner. Yeah, that stayed with me. That will stay with me. That book that I read during this process will stay with me for the rest of my life. It talks about how our lady is actually like fully representing the church and the theology behind that, how like she represents Holy Mother Church. And it just, the connections just blew me away. Theologically, how that all fits. I could not recommend that book more. It is fascinating. And those are both very relatively short books. Yes. So Hugo Rahner's book is is very short. It's very small. Um, I think currently it's published by Clooney, which mm-hmm. does a lot of really great like reprints of old stuff that you can't find anywhere, but they find them and they kind of reset everything. And so that's that's a really really small book. And yeah, it was Aiden, Father Aiden Nichols, okay. uh, who's a Dominican. There and is no rose. Yeah, there is no rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. That's it's a, really a good it's book. just a really beautiful book on Our Lady. And then, so those would be the theology books. And then, obviously, everything Alice von Hildebrand writes, I just think women need to read. She's non apologetically talking about femininity. Um, and then Gertrude von Lefort, The Eternal Woman, is a book on Our Lady, and it's looking at her in heaven and and representing her as women here on earth, capturing the eternal woman in our journey. So I think that that is a really important read. Edith Stein is really good at showing how femininity and our maternal hearts as women can be um, lived out in any state and circumstance. Um, She she really does a good job at capturing that. So I would, I would recommend that. And then the other big one for me was Teresa of Avila, the interior castle, because she did write that for women. And for me, I was reading it and learning more about the feminine heart and how we pray and, and what our strengths are in prayer and weaknesses. Um, she hits on both. And I think that's really important in our growth in holiness as women. That that book, I think, is is a powerhouse book. Hmm. Uh, all right. Anything else that you want to share about this book at all? No, I think that covered it. It's really that. I mean, that's a lot of my heart like, sure. shared there. Uh-huh. Yeah. So is there anything else that you are, I mean, you're done. I mean, you're doing interviews and sort of finishing up the whole PR process and that's fine. Yeah. Um, 
anything else that you're planning on working on in the future or currently working on right now? Too many things. I announced I mean, besides baby six. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having a baby in six weeks. (laughs) So besides So there's that. Yeah, besides doing that. Yeah. I'm homeschooling and I'm homemaking. And it's it's so it's so funny. Like it's one of those things, you know, you just love I love the hiddenness of the home and the cloister of the home. And it seems the Lord has called me to use these gifts for these writing projects and different things like that. So yes, I am going to be joining Theology and Reality um, Substack page in a new column called Sanctifying Homemaking. On Wednesday, we're going to be launching the first article on that. And in that article, I talk about where sanctifying homemaking, where the idea came from sanctifying homemaking. There's a whole story behind it. And what I'd like to share on there, because I think on Instagram these days and social media platforms, everything is fast content. Okay, it's fine. But I really wanted to give long form content with a little bit more into raw and real motherhood, spiritual movements of the heart within the home um, and the cloister of the home and, and, um, and spiritual insights, but also just things about motherhood, things about homemaking, things about being married, um, and just write about those things in a more casual way for all of you. So I hope you really like that. And I also am going into a second book process on um, The Bridal Woman is the is the project, is what I'm calling the project. Um, and it's looking at the ascent to holiness as women and specifically looking at the Song of Songs and the Passion Narrative and how suffering can lead us to union with Christ. That's great. It sounds good. Uh, where can people get your book now? Yes. Mary Teach Me to Be Your Daughter is published by Ascension Press. And so you can get it directly from Ascension. If you are overseas, I know I have a big international audience at this point. You can get the book through Catholic Mother's Apostolate Shop and all of the um, funding that goes to her shop goes straight to the apostolate, which is really beautiful. So she'll ship worldwide. What is that called again? Catholic Mother's Apostolate. Okay. Yes. So catholicmothers.com, I believe it is. Um, I could be wrong. It's something like that, but you'll find it. We can post a link in the show notes. Okay, great. Perfect. Um, And it's also on Amazon, both now in paperback and as an ebook. Great. Yeah. So we'll, like I said, we'll post a bunch of links in the show notes. So if you didn't get it from there, you could just open up whatever app or browser and just click it from there and you should be able to find it there. So it's available on Amazon in paperback as well. It's been out on Kindle for a while. Yes. Now okay, it's available on great. Paper, as paperback Perfect. as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, anything else? No, thanks so much. Perfect. All right. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. 